I am Meru, and this is Modern Immigrant. Welcome, everybody, to our last episode of the year. Welcome, everybody, to Modern Immigrant. I'm so happy that you're here, and I'm happy that you're ready to explore and learn from an immigrant story. Today, Sele is here with us sharing his immigration story. He's also here in Seattle, same as me, and it was great to be able to connect and learn from him. He immigrated from Canada to the U.S., but he was born in Nigeria, and when he was five years old, he moved to Canada with his family. In this interview, he shared with us why Seattle, why did he end up coming here, and why not going to other cities. We talk about the importance on how to decide where to go, where to move, especially if you have the privilege to pick a city get a job somewhere that you want and make that assessment of what's best for you. What's your best fit? Is it the weather? Is it your values? Is it the activities that are available in the city? Is it people that you know? Or maybe a combination of all of these things. If you're a newly arrived immigrant and think this episode is perfect for you, or if you're an immigrant thinking about moving to another city, maybe in the country where you're at or at another country. Sele was able to walk us through the process of the immigration journey for a Canadian applying to a job in the U.S. And we also talk about some of the challenges that immigrants face that sometimes we really don't talk about. We talk about the intersection of race and immigration status and his own journey being a Black immigrant in the U.S., especially in a city like Seattle. I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. I hope you learn from it and I hope you get to share it with someone special. Happy holidays, happy Christmas, happy holiday season. I hope you get to enjoy and have some time for yourself. And keep checking the episodes. Check our website, modernimmigrant.com and our Instagram at modernimmigrant. I'll see you next year. Bye. So first of all, I want to welcome you, Sele. Welcome to Modern Immigrant. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm super thankful that we have a common podcaster <laughs> that interviewed you and me, um, the Immigrants Live podcast, Aaron. <laughs> so uh, I will definitely be thankful that he connected us. So welcome. Yeah, well, hello. Thank you for having me on. My name is Sele. I am a recent import from Canada, specifically by Canada by way of Toronto, Ontario. Nice. So I've been here for last week was my six months official, I guess we could say my six month anniversary. That's awesome. It's a lot of work to be done, obviously. And I've really been enjoying it so far. That is so awesome. And yeah, I'm excited that you're here. I'm excited to explore your immigration journey. And you're already telling us that you were in Canada. So I do like at the beginning of every interview, I really enjoy asking my guests kind of like when did that immigration journey start? Um, when and from where to where? And that way we can get to know you a little bit more. My my um, immigration journey started in December 2019. And because I don't pay attention to my transcript at all, I didn't realize that I, I would need another semester of school. So I just needed five more courses to graduate. So I'm like, crap. Guess I'm back in school and um, went back in school. So I postponed the idea of moving because I told myself that, well, not that I told myself, I know how I am. If I put all this focus on the fact that I'm going to move, I'm never going to focus on my semester. Sadly, I also got super sick in January. 
which I personally believe was COVID, but I also had stomach illnesses too. But at the time, you know, January 2020, we're in Canada, same in the U.S. while making fun of COVID. We didn't take it seriously. Yes. That hit in March. And um, yeah, I lost my graduation ceremony as a result of it, but COVID made me have time to think, sit down, plan out. I was running my own company during that time anyways. I'd done it maybe my second year of school or I'm in the U.S. now, so during my sophomore year of college. And I was thinking yes. about it for a while. So, I, so I'm like, let me just focus on my business for the rest of the year of all the 2020, mm-hmm. focused on it. And towards December 2020, I had thought about the idea of moving again. I didn't know if it was because I didn't want to be in Canada or I wanted to explore something new. So January 2021, I actually spoke to my aunt about it first. She was the very first person I spoke to. I said, this is what I'm feeling. This is the idea that I have. And when I'm saying my aunt, my mom's eldest sister. Okay. Because um, no, she's the oldest. I'm the oldest. I thought that we'd be able to connect. And um, considering the fact that her children, she's in Nigeria, but her children, two of her three children are all here in Canada. And then one, the third one was here. He finished university, went back to Nigeria. So I just wanted to get her opinion on it. Right. How do I talk to my mom about it? Because for me, my mom's opinion matters more to me than anybody's. Yeah. The entire world can be against me, but if my mom is for me, I'm perfectly fine. So love that. I'm a mom that goes to my core. So, spoke to spoke to my aunt. She made me make a few promises on how I'm going to do it. You know, I got to do it correctly and make sure I'm not leaving with any malice, any ill will. So my immigrant journey started January 2021. Funny enough, a friend of mine who now lives in Chicago is a lawyer on the same visa that I'm on, him and I had planned to move to the States anyways, along with a third friend who's a doctor right now in Chicago. <laughs> and we had all decided that we're moving to the States. That's when we had decided we're going to work in the States. We're going to do that. Um, and that's how it started. So we needed to figure out the exact visa we needed to get. We found like a visa, which is called a TN1 visa. Okay. I actually got a job offer first in Miami, but I didn't feel comfortable with it for some strange reasons. I never took it. Okay. But then a G-Paul, the one, well, I'm saying his name. So <laughs> a G-Paul in Chicago, he got a job offer in Chicago. He took it, boom. And then he left. For me, when he did that, it gave me a lot of hope that it's possible. Then the third one, Justin, he got a job offer in, well, through his medical school in Chicago as well. So it really gave me hope that, hey, you know, this is very much possible. Got another job offer in Dallas, which is like the exact job I wanted, funny enough. Visited Dallas. I didn't feel comfortable with that either. Oh, wow. Wanted a job. I'm like, okay. Miami's where I wanted to go. Didn't like it. Dallas is where I wanted to go. Didn't like it. Maybe Atlanta's where I want to go. So. And these were places, just just to stop you really quick, these were places that you have been before or you were exploring them for the first time? Never had been there. So I I still have yet to visit Miami. It's just that I visited Orlando and I just didn't like it. I said, the weather is way too hot. I love heat. I absolutely love heat. But I can't imagine being drenched in sweat every time I open my door. Yeah. And then Orlando's a more of a tourist city, but I thought to myself, Miami's Orlando on steroids. And I don't even like the congestion in Orlando. Even Toronto most of my life. I don't like the city life anymore. I don't like this like highly volatile, constant partying, expensive lifestyle. So I said, okay, if I don't like Orlando, there's no chance of me like Miami. So I gave up on the Miami idea. Dallas is where my uncle lives, but I like the idea of moving to Texas because taxes are cheap. So right. <laughs> I did achieve warm weather. But then when I got, I actually went to that interview. I went to the interview in Dallas and I just, I love the city, but something just didn't feel comfortable. So I didn't take that job either. It was a very good paying job. 
but I didn't take it. So then I'm like, maybe Atlanta's where I'll consider. My family went down to Atlanta to celebrate um, a family friend's birthday. Mm -hmm. We went down there. I liked it a lot. But when I got a job offer, I actually got a job offer in Virginia, but I would have been allowed to live in Atlanta. And then as I was thinking about it, I said, I don't think I could do Atlanta either. And I didn't feel comfortable with the job offer. So I didn't take that either. <sighs> I thought to myself, like, okay. Because I knew I knew in my heart of hearts that where if I'm going to move to a different country, I need to feel some sort of peace towards that decision. And I just didn't feel that peace with any of the job offers that came before it. Even other interviews, I wouldn't even take the second interview because I just, I just didn't feel comfortable. Yeah. And now that you're saying this, I feel like this can resonate with a lot of immigrants that might be listening because I feel like it's really hard already to like move to another country. Mm -hmm. But how can you explain what fell off and what were you looking for? Because sometimes we don't even know what it is that makes us feel like, oh, I don't feel like this is a comfortable place. So what were some of the things that you were looking at when picking or selecting a place because i feel like that can be helpful for some that are also exploring that idea of living okay so for me um i've moved a lot in my life in general my family we've moved a lot we were born in i was born in nigeria we moved to canada i moved to various parts in the so you guys have states we have provinces very i moved around a lot in the province of ontario from toronto mississauga oh i, I went to school in mississauga while living in brampton then i went to before i went to the college that That I just spoke about Carlson University. I went to two previous colleges before that in two completely separate cities. So I've moved so much that I just know what to look for. So yeah. if I'm moving to a city, um, I don't like you're gonna find churches everywhere. So, you know, for me, at least for myself, I'm looking for a good church, but I'm not gonna know that until I'm there. So even though it's a high priority option in my in the back of my head. I'm not going to find the greatest church in the world just going out on Google. I'm not to experience it, but that costs a lot of money to travel back and forth. But um, I want a place with decent weather. At least when I was moving now to the States, I said, mm. that's why I picked. Think about what I picked. Miami, Texas, Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why I want to get to why Seattle. But, um, right? So, oh, the Seattle let's wait. one. Let's oh, wait. that story is going to be funny. Yeah, so, we can wait. We can wait. So when I'm picking places, and I tell people a lot of times, um, I actually spoke about this with my... Funny enough, my old English teacher, I had this conversation with him last week where he was asking me, why did I pick Seattle? And not, not necessarily. Well, the second question he asked me about I picked Seattle, then he asked me how I like the U.S. And the thing about the U.S. is that it's such a greatly diverse country from the standpoint. And yes, people will say the same thing about Canada, Canada being the first multicultural nation in the world. But where Canada and the U.S. are very different, Canada, you get the opportunity to very much live in whatever culture that you have. So if you're a Jamaican immigrating to Canada, you're pretty much like a Jamaican Canadian, as opposed to when you live in the States, you're an American first. Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of patriotism here. I've noticed that. And it's patriotism on a macro scale from, you know, you're part of the US to even more on micro levels where your college matters. Like where you go to college is a very important thing. Where you went to high school is very important. Even I have people that care about their middle school and I've never cared about middle school before. So I'm coming to this country and there's always, there's middle school pride. I'm like, And these are 30-year-olds having middle school pride. And for me, I've never, I've never thought about that. Even um, outside of your alma mater, you have your sororities and your fraternity. Not to say that Canada doesn't value that, but the, the amount of value put in your sororities and fraternities or whatever the Greek culture is in whatever region that you're a part of is crazy. Even down to the point of what city you're from, 
what mm-hmm. block you're a part of. Like there's patronism on every level. Now another thing, if you care about weather, I hate the cold. I've lived in the cold most of my life. Living in Canada, specifically living in Ottawa for six and a half years, you're seeing four feet of snow on average. I was going to ask you about that because, yeah, Canada is so cold. Like, how do you <laughs> how do you survive that? Because you said that you were born in Nigeria. How old were you when you moved to Canada? I wonder if that was a shock. It was. I still remember seeing snow, like seeing a lot of snow for the first time. In. Yeah. Me being the ignorant kid that I was, I jumped into it, not realizing how cold it is. Well, you were being a kid, right? I was. But what's yeah. crazy that when I was in Toronto, like I, I thought I knew what winter was living in Toronto. I moved to Ottawa. Ottawa's right, it's right on top of where Syracuse is in New York. That's probably okay. like the closest US city we can think of, or a popular US city. Yeah. And we're averaging four feet of snow, five feet of snow sometimes. And people are treated like it's a normal day. Like school's not getting canceled. Oh my goodness. People are about let me convert it to Fahrenheit. Like it can be like minus 29 degrees Fahrenheit and everybody is still outside. Everyone's like, nothing happened. It's crazy. I I that wasn't that that's not meant for me. So that's, <laughs> that's something that yeah. matters to me. Right. I care about not being in like scorching or not scorching, like freezing cold temperatures. So if you're somebody that wants, you know, let's say colder temperatures, there's various states you can choose from. After you figure out where your value systems lie, obviously, if you have family in certain places, that also gets easier. But you first figure out where your value systems lie and then research what places have those value systems and then weather. Because if you react, most people should care about weather to some extent. And then after weather, what place has the activities you like? If you want to go somewhere where, let's say you want to play basketball and you want a place that's really heavy on basketball, going to, I don't know, Going to somewhere in like a random part of Mississippi isn't as good of an option as, let's say, one of the five boroughs in New York or somewhere in L.A., right? So you first figure out where your core value systems lie, figure out the weather, figure out what your hobbies are, and then you choose amongst those places. That's what I did. I I love that. I like playing sports. I hate cold weather. Cheap. I wanted to not lose that much money in taxes. (laughs) And I wanted real estate to be cheap. but. Those are all my ideas. And then I ended up in Seattle. <laughs> right, right. But like, and and I think that's always part of like a lot of things that we, we kind of laugh about that when we're immigrants, because I feel like every time I have, you know, had a conversation with an immigrant, we always have an expectation about where are we going, the things that we're going to do when we have the privilege to select a city we have even more expectations. I think that when you're just like kind of thrown into a place by coincidence but and then there's the reality and then there's what actually happens so I think that's what makes our journeys more interesting right because we get to discover things that we weren't even I don't know thinking about and what's crazy is that um as much as I talk about all of those things at the top of my list was I need to go somewhere where I feel the most comfortable funny enough I've never I've never even been on the west coast before before taking this job and um the feeling I was looking for, Christians will call it the Holy Spirit, modern age people will call it your innermost voice. Regardless of whatever you're going to call it, you can call it your conscience, you can call it your gut feeling. That's what I was looking for. I don't make gut feeling decisions often, or I don't make gut feeling decisions when it's going to impact my entire life. Like, I, don't, I don't make that often, and I've only done it maybe four times in my entire life. That's how I ended up in Ottawa. That's how... Actually, probably 
yeah, three different times in my entire life. One, actually, I can't even remember the first one, but the most two, the two most recent was me and that's how I ended up in Ottawa, and then how I now ended up in Seattle, where I needed to feel something so comfortable that I can, regardless of where it is, this is where I'll go. And I wasn't finding it. So I just decided that, you know what? I'm going to stop being picky about where I'm going to go. I'm just going to apply for it. I'm just going to apply for a job everywhere. <laughs> in my exactly. <laughs> I'm just going to apply everywhere. And then based off the interviews I get, I'm going to see. So then mm-hmm. now comes Seattle. Funny enough, I have never said a good thing about Seattle prior to me moving to Seattle. I have, I have never said anything good. It's, that's why I really think God has a sense of humor. Because I used to bash Seattle. Everybody that knows me or prior to me telling them I'm going to move to Seattle knew my like negative vitriol for the city. What was that you were saying about Seattle before moving to Seattle? And where were these things coming from? Like TV? Because you said you've never been here. So it's cur- <laughs> I'm, I'm curious to know, like in Canada, where do people get this? Like, let's call it, I don't know, stereotypes or whatever. Okay, so... I do. I, I'm a nerd. I'm a communication <laughs> major, but I spend a lot of time researching a lot of random stuff. Like the most recent thing I'm reading, I don't even read that much, but the most recent book I'm reading right now is a book about genetics. <laughs> Just Super genetics, nature and nurture, seeing how 50% of our parents, how many qualities or factors that we have in life aren't actually based in, let's say, life, but it's more based on our actual genetics and how we perceive life. Like I'm weird. I'll read, I'll read on that. I'll read on like astrophysics. I'll read on food supply shortages. I mean, I'm awesome. constantly watching anime while still watching basketball, watching MMA fights, watching the UFC, occasionally watching football. But nonetheless, um, I spend a lot of time researching. So Seattle is one of the most expensive cities to live in. So I made fun of that. I'm like, this city is so expensive and it's dense. Like the amount of people that migrate to this city on a monthly basis is crazy to the point where the city's becoming over, the city was becoming overpopulated. I didn't need to move here to know that. Right. 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 So very overpopulated city. The homelessness population is not homeless. I don't want to say it's out of control. When before I moved here, I was saying it's out of control. Now that I moved here, I definitely think it's out of control. Like large homeless population, autonomous zone that happened during COVID. I was making fun of that too. I was making fun of everything. Everything I was making fun of it. I said it rained. You know, everyone out of Seattle only knows Seattle to rain a lot. So that's all we know. Yeah, that is true. I'm like, this is depressing. Like, why would I ever want to be here? And then I got the interview and um, I remember it because um, it was in November. I wear a suit to all of my interviews. I don't care if it's video or face-to-face. And I'm waiting for the interview to start. And the person who's now my director, she didn't show up. So I just went back to my room, changed, and just wore a t-shirt. I was like, whatever. The moment I sat down, she comes. And I'm like, oh, thank you so much. Because I, I was worried. I'm like, why isn't, aren't they coming? Like, if they didn't want me, just tell me. Because it was it was crazy how I applied for the job the day before. Later that day, they asked to schedule an interview. So I just scheduled it for the next day. Wow. So I'm like, why would they want the interview so quickly if they aren't going to show up? And then she showed up. I said, oh, thank you so much for coming. I was actually in the suit earlier. Can I go back and change? She said, oh, sure. No problem. So ran, changed, came back. <laughs> And I didn't realize until right before the interview that the application said Seattle. And I'm like, there's no way. I oh, you didn't know. I said, I didn't know. I was just applying everywhere. I'm like, there's no way I applied for a job in Seattle. And I'm like, I see Seattle, Washington. I don't know American geography. So I'm like, okay, maybe it's Washington, like DC, DC. on the East Coast. I, want, I was thinking of, even though I was open, my mind still wanted to kind of stay in the East Coast, stay in the same time zone. 
So I asked her, she said, is this in Seattle, Washington? She's like, yes. I'm like, okay, is it an in-house position or remote? She said, oh, it's in-house. I thought to myself, I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm going to do the interview anyways and, you know, just see where it goes. Within five minutes of the interview, we hadn't even talked about the job. We haven't even talked about the city, funny enough. We were just having conversation, asking each other about our days. And within the first five minutes, I remember it, I was looking at the time. I told myself, if these guys hired me, this is where I'm going. I'm moving to Seattle. Exactly what I was looking for, I found it, which is funny because that's amazing. <laughs> I love this. All, Seattle, out of all places, I've made fun of this place for years. And um and that's where and you felt done. that click that gut feeling, that thing that you, we don't know what it is that makes us feel comfortable. Everybody, everybody has different language for it, but I knew yeah. I felt it. So that was on a Thursday. I got hired on the Tuesday. <sighs> so I, but I didn't end up, I didn't even start the job till January, which is just another crazy thing because they wanted me to start in December, but December's my birthday. And I had asked them, I said, Hey, you know, this might be the first time in eight years I can spend my birthday with my family. Would I be able to have that privilege? They said, yes. I said, this is an amazing company. Amazing. This is an amazing company. I'm like, nah, I am, I'm not leaving these guys for anything, like for nothing. I, I just loved it. I was so touched by that. But every day, if not every other day, we were always in communication. She's asking me about my immigration journey, like how it's packing. Because I was still living in Ottawa, but I was just staying at my parents' house to, to visit in Toronto. Yeah. I was like, she'd ask me how packing's going. Like, were you able to get everything out of Ottawa? How's staying with your parents back in Toronto? How are you enjoying it? Were you able to get your visa? What do mm. you need from me? That's like, she was so amazing. So by the time I started the job, I felt we already felt like we knew each other. That's so amazing. We just like finding that. someone that treats you like a person, right? And not just necessarily like an employee. I feel like sometimes that can be so weird at a job place, like not feeling like, hey, ask me about my day. Ask me about my life. Like, let's build a relationship. And I feel like that's something I see a lot in Seattle, in companies yep. in Seattle, at least the ones I have been. And I'm not in the tech industry, but I have seen that in, I mean, I work in like human services and social work. So maybe that's why, but okay. I do think that is something about this coast or this area mm-hmm. that I feel like people are a little more laid back than in the East Coast or other parts. I don't know. That's a, that's a fact. People are definitely more laid back here. I, I attribute, don't, I'm not a, I'm not a um, anthropologist, but I attribute it a lot to the weather. I attribute it a lot to um, different social programs. Like even they want to introduce having four day work weeks or, yeah. like I, you know, weather, nature, actually the nature here is absolutely phenomenal, by the way. It's amazing. Like, I fell in love yes. with this city five minutes into moving to this city like i just saw i looked outside i saw the train i saw the weather and i said i'm gonna love it here and it's awesome that you came here in january so you were here in the winter or what you guys call winter winter yeah (laughs) (laughs) so you have seen the words and if you like it already that's it yeah i loved it all the negatives i thought of still exist don't get me wrong Mm -hmm. but there's just so many more positives now yeah. There's so many more positives and it's it's something that I'm very happy that I chose to do because for a very long time and this just I'll just go back back in time in the story is even though I decided to make the decision in January that was a very hard decision to make because I'm moving to a completely different country um I'm ended I'm like I could end up moving somewhere where I know nobody and I didn't 
know anybody in Seattle. I, I made friends over IG at, um, when I found that I was moving there, but I didn't know anybody. All to find out when I moved here, like two months in, I had multiple cousins that lived here. I had no idea prior to that. Amazing. So that was really cool. But um, the biggest decision, the biggest thing about it is you have a lot of anxiety because you're moving to a place that you don't know. You're, well, at least in my case, you're moving to a place that you don't know. You're moving to a completely separate country. You're starting the immigrant, well, for me, starting the immigrant process all over again. So there's a lot of things you can't really do off first bat, like get a credit card. Like I couldn't get a credit card for the first few months because, well, I have no history in the country. But, you know, a lot of people have come to me recently, not even recently, I guess since I've made it known that I moved, outside of the ones that kind of like watch my Instagram story, they really wanted to know how I did it. And it's one of those things where you just got to first make a decision. If you just make a decision that you're going to do something, or at least in this case, you're going to move, it makes it a lot easier because if you're thinking about it and then trying to plan as you're thinking, you're just making it a lot harder for yourself versus, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And then you work accordingly from there. But if you're constantly going back and forth between, should I do this? Should I not? You're giving yourself a lot of stress and anxiety. And I still felt a lot of anxiety. You know, when you're waiting for a job to call you, you know, you don't know what to think. It's like, I, because in my head, I'm thinking to myself, I know I'm supposed to move here. But when nothing's manifesting or when nothing's Mm. working in alignment with how I want it to go or nothing's going according to plan, of course, you start questioning yourself. But then, funny enough, I actually felt more stressed when I got the job because now, now it's happening. Process. Yeah, <laughs> and and that's something I wanted to ask about the immigration process. Like, how was it for you, a Canadian, moving to the U.S.? How does that look like? Because I'm not as familiar with that process as I am with maybe someone from South America or someone from another country. So I wonder how was that for you? So the Canadian and Mexican immigration process to the U.S. are similar but also drastically different. So okay. Canadian, yeah. So we have the TN1 visa that we can use. If you're in Mexico, you have what's known as a TN2 visa. But you have to, your job, the job that you're applying for has to fit under one of 60 categories. So wow. it's the same for Canada and Mexico. And they're called the NAFTA professionalisms. So I'm under, I'm not going to say which one I'm under, but I'm under, I was under one of those categories. Okay. So when I was applying for a job now, what, when I when I give people advice and they say, Sela, what happens for do I need sponsorship? You can pick yes or no. I say say no because, you know, in the U.S. they deal with a lot of that. But the moment you have an interview, you tell them that, hey, this is the visa I'm applying for. I tell everybody, if you fit one of these 60 categories, say I'm applying for the TN visa. They're going to, if they don't know, they're going to ask you, okay, what's the TN visa? Or the one I'm applying for, the TN1 visa. I need to fit under the, the, the specific category. Here are the requirements that I meet, which, you know, your, your resume should line up with that. So for some categories, it's you have to have a bachelor's degree or an associate's degree mm-hmm. and let's say two years of experience or one will just require three years of experience, right? And a high school diploma. So I fit, the, I fit, just know I fit one of the categories. So from there, you tell them that, okay, I need to go to border services or specifically customs. On the American side, I need to give them my resume, show them some, some ask for an offer letter, but resume, offer letter, your high school, your university or college transcript. If once again, you meet that requirement and then a letter, um, written to border services or customs, you have to have an actual letter written to them. So what I do, of course, you can go to a law firm and have them write it, 
and then your company can pay for it. But it yeah. shows more initiative if you just tell the company that I will write the letter after an offer letter is given. You guys review it. Tell me if this matches what you like, and we'll go from there. That's what I did. I wrote the I wrote the letter. It took me it took me some time. Wrote the letter. Had had my director review it. Changed some stuff. Came back. Changed some stuff. So we're just going back and forth. We have the exact letter that we wanted. So I went to customs with um, my resume, my transcript, my 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 um uh, what's it called degree. Anyways, just brought it just in case, and that letter. I didn't need the offer letter. I just needed that specific letter. Okay. So do, do you need to, sorry, just to like kind of clarify, do you need to present those papers prior to having a job offered or you need the job offer first? You need the job offer first. And but, then you do the immigration process. Yeah. Okay. But you make sure you tell the job that you're applying for everything you're about to do and then keep in contact with them. About it. Like give them consistent updates because they need to know that their investment is worth it. Right. Because when they ha when they interview you, they ask you about how are you going to be able to like, I know like there's something about like job interviews are not required to let, or it's not legal to ask you for your immigration status or something like that. Yeah. But then once they give you the offer, you need to disclose what's your status. Is that correct? Uh, some, some jobs are like that. I just tell people, just tell them off the jump. Just okay. don't hide anything. Just be completely honest. But when, it's when you show that initiative, that jobs are like, okay, or employers are like, wow, okay, I can actually trust this person. So what I did, I, I notified these, I notified my co my director at every step. Like even when I'm leaving to go to the to border customs, I messaged my director. I said, I'm going there right now. Right. And That's it's done. Cool. Messaged her immediately. Once the month, because you get your visa. So if you're applying for a TN visa and you get approved, because they don't have to approve you. So here's the other thing. When you're applying for a TN visa, don't make it sound like you're trying to stay in the country because that visa specifically is meant just to work. And once it expires, you plan on moving back to Canada. Of course, you can extend the visa and you can just keep extending the visa as long as you have your job. But don't, if they're, if they ask you questions like, hey, do you plan on staying after? No. Right. Okay. Buying a house? No. You can still buy a house on the visa, but it, thing, if you're telling them that as you're applying, you're dumb. Because now it's going to be day and they can reject you. So okay. Okay. don't make it seem like you're trying to stay longer than your agreed upon date. You get the visa. Then they give you what's called an I-94. I-94 is just, it's just with the visa. So the visa is stamped on your passport. You have an I-94 document as well. I tell people that the moment you get your visa, just go to the closest Social Security Administration and get your Social Security number application done that day. The mistake I made was I went home, forgot that I needed to schedule an interview with them, and then I called them. Thankfully, they had an open spot the very next day, so I drove back to the U.S. Right. <laughs> uh, that was annoying. Drove back to the U.S. Oh, funny enough, the day I got my visa was the day Canada changed this ruling on people that have vaccine that are, that are vaccinated. Oh, so yeah. Usually I was able to just go in and out. But I couldn't. I had to have a COVID test. But the problem is I didn't bring my laptop. I didn't bring my, any money with me. Oh, I brought my debit card, but I had nothing. Right. I had to pay for a rapid test. And at the time, it was like $220. So I had to go pay for a rapid test, get back to the country. And then I'm like, okay, I know what I'm going to do now. So I got an appointment with the Social Security Administration for the next day, drove back. And then there was that two-week wait. I was so nervous because in my head, I'm, I was being pessimistic. I'm like, wow. 
you know, they're already, they've already waited a month for me because this is in the end of December. They've already waited a month for me. Now they've got to wait two more weeks for me to get my social security number. Yeah. I was just, I was just sweating all the time. Like, no. <laughs> it, was, it was so, it was so scary, but um, thankfully I got it. But the problem now is when I had to move. So because I have no history in the States, my security deposit for my apartment was the cost of my first month's rent. That is such like an interesting point. point. Like I have never thought about that. Exactly. So it was, I had to have pretty much my first month's rent on top of having my first month's rent. <laughs> so, and then the references and then the, like, there's like yeah. nobody that can like back you up from the state to say that, like, it's really hard for immigrants to rent, to get credit so, cards. Are you, as you were saying, like, just like those basic things that we would need. But when you're new in a country, you don't have the history. I have none of it. So even mm -hmm. when it came, I'm like, okay, I got, once I finally finalized my apartment that I was going to get when I moved there, I just, also when you're looking for an apartment, looking for a home, tell the landlord everything, tell them the truth. Like, this is my situation. Of yeah. course, they're going to ask for, because you don't have a pay, assuming you don't have a pay stub yet, you have to show them the offer letter. Like, this is, this is where the offer letter is important. This is my offer letter. You know, do your, do your own research on how much money you'll be making. Um, mm -hmm. each paycheck so you can you can go online find certain you can find sites that will calculate your paycheck bi-weekly depending on the state that you're in so in the state of washington they only lose 20 percent of your income for taxes every week every mm -hmm. two weeks so i was able to show my landlord that exact situation mm -hmm. they trusted it said i'll need first month's rent as my as, well the equivalent of first month's rent is my security deposit such as life gave him that few thousand got that done and then um when it came down to my cell phone, because I didn't want to use my cell phone was pretty much broken. So I knew I needed a new cell phone. Yeah. The problem was I couldn't finance a phone. <laughs> so I had to buy, I had to, so, I went with the so I bought the phone. So I'm like, okay, I also need Wi-Fi. So I'm like, I might as well get a phone with Wi-Fi. Problem is, couldn't, because I don't have history again, I couldn't do the payment over the phone. I needed to be there. So when I moved to the States, I had to buy a phone outright. Just Bought a phone in full, $934. That's Got a it lot. In That's crazy. It's just so much money that we have to spend so, at the beginning. Oh, that's, not even, that's not even the worst. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Like, then when it came to my bank account, the problem is you get a bank account, you need um, a place of residency. And also, you need some sort of bill payment paid there. But the problem is I didn't have my social security number yet. I couldn't get a bank account on the phone. I had to wait until I moved to the state. So the first place I visited when I got to Seattle is the bank that I'm still banking with. Who, funny enough, I met my, the first person I met or the first friend I made in Seattle because I knew people before I moved there because, you know, meet them online and I met them when I moved to the city. But the first person I met in the city, he worked at that bank. The guy's like pretty much my best friend to this day. That's amazing. <laughs> That's been That's been an amazing journey so far, but it's crazy because there's a lot, like you said, there's a lot of basic life necessities that you don't think about. Credit, um, even furniture to some extent, um, everything that goes along with credit. Because I gave my papers to my car, thinking that I'm going to finance a car when I moved here to find out because I can't get a credit card, can't finance a car. So my and that's and that's with like having a, a stable job and having an offer. Like I can't even imagine, or well, I can. People that just you know are not able to have the proof that they're going to have the money, right? So it's like, it becomes so, so hard to be like, I'm going to pay for this. I just don't have the job yet, right? Like, it's just, it becomes like, almost like 
how to make <laughs> things harder for an immigrant, right? Like it's just yeah, pretty much being yeah. an immigrant. I like to like people will tell me a lot of the times the hardest thing to, to some extent I agree. The hardest thing to be anywhere as a minority. I think the hardest thing to be in any country is a minority and an immigrant because mm -hmm. there's just so many things that you just can't do and just the basic life stuff that you know if you're a citizen of the country you just take for granted. Like I never mm -hmm. thought of. Security deposit, oh, two hundred dollars, maybe five hundred dollars at most. Yeah, because I have no history. And I guess that you're touching on a point, like when you mentioned minorities and immigration, you're touching on a point that I think is really interesting, and I I always like to bring it to the podcast and like give voice to not give voice, but like give a space to this discussion, which is, and this like touches a little different or. Yeah, to me, because I live in Seattle and I have seen how I didn't know how white Seattle was. And how, <laughs> right, like I moved from Venezuela to Seattle and I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that, yeah, there's diversity, but we're still far from reaching a point where like there's no so much segregation or where there's more diversity. Um, so how has it been for you? In yes. this country, in this in this city specifically, being black and being an immigrant, it's like another layer, right? That makes things just different. Um, funny when I moved when I was moving here, I'm like, oh, what's the what's the racial divide in this country, in this city? I found out that somewhere between like different studies show different things, but the consistency was this city is seventy to anywhere between seventy to seventy eight percent white. Like that is probably the largest percentage of white people I've ever been around. Usually it's around maybe 50, maybe 65, 70, 70. I was like, yo, that's crazy. Actually, that's a lie. When I was in this one city, this one town called Cornwall, it's probably a population of like 10,000 people. That's a lie. Like 20,000 people at most, probably like 80% white. But I didn't see many of them because I was just going to school. But um, in terms of a place where I had absolute freedom, I had never seen that. So hmm. I've seen more interracial couples, just anybody with a white person than I've seen at any point <laughs> in my life. And right. I, it wasn't uncomfortable. It was just different. I was like, well, this is, this is different. Mm. And um, I think this city is, what, 8% Black. So for me, I've never cared because I've always been around multiple races. Okay. So although it was a culture shock from the standpoint, I've just never seen this many white people in my life. It wasn't a hard adjustment because even the high school I went, one, I went to three different high schools. One of them had a lot of Indians. The second high school I was at had a lot of black people. The third high school I was at had a lot of people from the Middle East and, you know, different Mediterranean cultures as well. So I've always been around different, diverse groups of people. And when I was in Ottawa for the many years that I was there, there was, oh, there was pretty much everybody. That was also the first time I was probably surrounded by a lot of Africans as well. So whereas Toronto and Brampton, it was a lot of everything, Filipinos, Japanese, a lot of Caribbeans, a lot of Indians there as well. So I've always been used to it, but I can also understand why people coming here would, let's say, feel kind of lonely. Because if your identity, if your racial identity or your ethnic identity matters so much to you, it doesn't matter all that much to me. I have the natural pride of a Nigerian, just me being Nigerian. I think I'm the greatest person in the world. But um, <laughs> I think my I think my people are personally the greatest people of all time. But <laughs> outside of that. I don't let it really affect my decision making too much. Mm -hmm. It doesn't. It doesn't really bother me. 
because I have such a large family. So I can all, at least for me, I can always lean on my family. Whereas yes. other people that may not have that, or let's say they're so far away from their family and they're looking for that sense of community, I can see why it would be hard for them. But as for me, as a black immigrant, um, me be, for me, it's more being the immigrant part that's harder than being the black person. It's it's a Tell lot. Tell me why. That's very interesting. So um, call it me being Canadian. Call it me not caring. Call it me looking at everything objectively. But I don't. I don't try to make my race at the forefront of my identity. I more so care about my faith being at the forefront. So if somebody asks, like, who, like, lists everything that you are as a person, my first thing would be, like, let's say I'm a lover, I'm a lover of Christ. Like, me being black is the first thing on my list. Being, being, me being a lover of Christ, me being a son to my parents, me being a brother to my sisters, then maybe my job, then my hobbies, then being black comes after all of that, right? So I don't put my racial identity at the forefront of everything that I do. So it's easier for me because I just don't doesn't bother me. I can have conversation with black people, I can have conversation with white people, I can have conversation with Hispanics, I can have conversation with anybody in the continent of Asia. So it's not an issue being in a place where I'm a major minority, but it's an issue being in a place where I'm an immigrant. Because although people would say, based off whatever microaggressions or the way somebody looks at you, you know, they know you're black. For me, me being an immigrant is is such at the forefront because it blocks so many things. That because it's like, okay, a random, let's say a random what this hasn't actually happened, but let's say a random white person looks at me and gives me a dirty look. I don't know why they're giving me a dirty look. Let me just be completely honest. I can assume they're giving me a dirty look because I'm black, but if I'm gonna be completely honest, I have no idea. They could be having a bad day. Maybe they're looking at the person behind me, maybe they're looking at something else altogether, maybe they just got bad news. So I would have to do a lot of mental gymnastics to figure out why that person might, let's say, look at me with the point of disgust, as opposed to me being an immigrant. I know that I couldn't get a credit card because of my status, right? Like, I don't have to guess because it's, if I apply, it's written on the application. No history in the country, right? Um, I don't have, I, now I have a credit score, but I didn't have a credit score before. Right, right. Right. Uh, me being an immigrant, like I talked about before, I have to pay a substantially large security deposit. Right. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of things. Oh, my, my ID. I don't have a state. I, funny enough to this day, I still don't have a state ID. <laughs> I just have my Ontario driver's license that I walk around with my ID. But every once in a while, some places may not let me in because they can't, they don't know where my birthday is. Mm -hmm. on the card and i have to show them hey god god it's, it's right here man just just look right here bottom right corner right now i have to keep saying bottom right corner um because i'm not an, i'm an immigrant here when it came time to registering a car that was a long process right i can't i can't even afford to be stopped by the cops for anything like i can't afford to be stopped by the cops for anything i can't afford to have an issue with the law at all because i'll get deported immediately Right. Another thing that I'm thinking about when I'm at work, this isn't a big problem, thankfully, because my job is great. If I act up versus a citizen acting up, whether that citizen's black, white, green, yellow, blue, if they get fired from their job, they can just find another job. They'll still be at whatever house they're at. They'll still be with their family. If I get another, if I get fired from my job, I have a certain amount of time to find another job. And then after I find that job, I have to go back to the border, reapply and do the visa application process again. Otherwise, I have to leave the country. If I get fired from my job, I have to leave the country. I still got a lease agreement that I have to, you know, right. I have to honor. 
And if I break my lease early, I have to pay this one. I think this, this, you, this apartment is two and a half months rent you have to pay if you're going to break your lease early. Wow. Yeah. Right. That's, yeah. A, that's a lot of money. Right. So uh, me being an immigrant is at the forefront of so many things that I do that it's much hard. I find that much more, much more difficult than let's say being black, especially now in a society where everyone's so afraid to, you know, so some sort of racial prejudice to anybody. It's just not some. It's not something that I'm thinking about because although I can, I can probably sit here and list to you all of the negatives about being an immigrant or all of the disadvantages about being an immigrant, not an immigrant, being black, um, being a uh, being a minority. We can list all of them. But then there's also a lot of benefits as well, especially when you're staying in this country because this country offers you an opportunity to be anything you want. Right. Yeah. You have the opportunity to even just make money as an immigrant to begin with. You can come to this country as an immigrant and move up to become a middle class citizen relatively quickly versus, let's say, a country like Nigeria, where there's no real middle class to begin with. It's just it's just lower class. You're poor class. or you're rich. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So you have all of these opportunities. Of course, we can look at the negatives. No country is perfect. But if I'm to stack up all of the positives, I believe this is one of the best countries in the world, if not the best country in the world. And it doesn't mean that's absent of problems. Hmm. It's just that all of the positives bundled together, to be honest, ranks higher than all of the positives in any other country that you can find. Great. Yeah. And I really appreciated that. I appreciate that you're talking about how there's no perfect country. Like, yeah. I feel like we sometimes like make like this ideas about like, depending on where we are, we're like, oh, Canada is way better or we're somewhere else. And we're like the U.S. is way better. And we're always having this idea of like, there's always something better or perfect in a country. And th that's so not true. Like we see terrible things happening here. We see amazing things happening here and that's always going to happen. And I feel like as immigrants, we need to just be aware of that. There's no perfect city. There's no perfect country, but looking at the positive, like you're doing and you're saying, I feel like it helps you to like move forward and find a home and find a place that you enjoy. Like, Try to find the positive. Try to find the place, the things that you do like about being there instead yep. of being so focused on like the negative, just because it's just going to make it really hard for yeah. whoever's listening to like have a good time there, find opportunities, find friends, find community. It's going to be harder. That's the truth. It's like if you're constant, like I tell people, because I'll have conversations with people all the time. I, I just like, I love hearing people's perspectives and I'll have conversations with people. And they'll be talking. I'm like, yo, life must be really hard thinking that everyone you ever meet is against you. Like, mm -hmm. That's a really stressful way to live your life. And I'll tell people, and of course, because of people's life experiences, they've kind of been conditioned to think that. But at some point, you have to get yourself out of that because you're causing more danger to yourself than anybody else. Somebody could just be giving you a simple hi, but you thinking, oh, what do they want from you? You're making your life a lot harder that way. Right. And people can perceive how you're presenting. Like if you're already like entering a nice conversation or just a high and you're already like, you know, with a predisposition that they want something from me, that's how they're receiving your energy as well. Mm -hmm. It's like, and then it becomes a self-fulfilling <laughs> prophecy because then it's going to come off like that person actually does want something. That person actually is aggressive, not realizing that you technically initiated that aggression. Exactly. Right. Exactly. I'm just, I, I'm just, I'm just of the mentality that, it's better to have an optimistic viewpoint of life than to just constantly look at everybody as if they're out to get you. And it's yeah. really helped my perspective. Of course, I get into debates with people about it all the time. I was like, oh, no, you don't know what it's like because you didn't live here. 
okay, you also don't know where it's like where I live. I really believe that if you look in the world, if you look at your surroundings negatively, you're only going to see negative. That is so true. That's, that's the only thing you're going to see. You're going to find the problem in every, like if you want to find the problem in life, oh, you'll find it. It's very easy. Same way if you read the Bible, if you want the Bible to match your own personal perspective, if you want the Quran to match your own personal perspective, you will you find how that. It teaches, you, you'll find it. You will find, and anything you read, you'll find a way to make that it is... match your perspective. But if you're objective, it's a lot different. There's so much information that you have given us. There's so much hope. There's so much positivity. I feel like this is exactly the kind of stories that make me feel good about being an immigrant that make, you know, cause it can be hard. Sometimes we, it's hard to be an immigrant, but yeah. I'm, I'm really enjoying that. You gave us a real perspective that you spoke about the things that are difficult, but you also gave us hope in this journey. So Sele, I don't know if you have a final message that you want to give us um, the immigrants that are listening, maybe the non-immigrants that like to listen to the stories um, to end this amazing conversation. Uh, the only thing I would say is, um, Life is meant to be enjoyed. Find the best ways to enjoy it. We have the opportunity to live in a country where we have many chances to enjoy it. Take life for what it is. It's, it's a beautiful, like this world is very beautiful. Don't minimize your opportunities to enjoy it based off of a negative perspective. If you want to follow me? Um, my Instagram is A-Y-O-A-K-H-I-G-B-E. I don't really use any other platform, but I really just use Instagram. Anybody has any questions, you can always contact me. I'm always willing to answer. Being an immigrant has been fun. I'm currently enjoying it. And I think it makes me very unique, if I'm going to be completely honest. That is awesome. I really would like people to go and check out your Instagram and follow you and ask you questions because you really seem really open and helpful. Like you walk us through like a whole process that I know has been kind of complicated but that's exactly what I feel like people really enjoy listening to and asking questions about immigration so I appreciate your help and I hope that people can connect with you and start talking about immigration and other things all right thank you so much bye, bye. see you